First of all, we want to say thank you. What a, what a joy to be able to be here. I have to say, this is one of our favorite. Yeah, you guys really are our family. I, I didn't want to exaggerate, so I had to catch your eye just to make sure it wasn't an exaggeration. Um, but it's true. We just love being together with you guys. And this is how um, much we feel at home with you, is my princess is going to say something. Uh, I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, seriously, every year when we get to come, we're just so excited. Uh, this really does feel like family, um, and we don't say that everywhere we go, I promise. Um, but we love the Workmans, and we just are, are blessed to be part of their friendship, and I feel like part of the family. So um, I know the new baby's getting ready to come, and so we just pray for an easy delivery and just peace and strength and and enough strength for the other three. So, <laughs> so thanks for having us. We really do love being here. Thank you. It is so good to, to be here. And, um, you know, it's, it, it was a funny trip over yesterday. My heater went out in, in my car. And so that's why her, her jacket's still on. Uh, you would think, I'm, I'm an optimist, and I always think things are going to work out. I mean, I, I, I trust God, and I believe things are going to work out, and uh, so it's, it's really come down to that time. We've, we've hit winter. I was over um, two hours past here uh, about a week ago, and I was, I was speaking in a little place called Mountain View, Oklahoma, and uh, it's a beautiful little community. You can actually see mountains there. I, I, I didn't think out west in Oklahoma you, you could do that. But that was the first really cold night. And, and so I drove back to Oklahoma, and, and by the time I got, I mean, I drove back to Tulsa, and by the time I got back to Tulsa, I couldn't feel my, my toes. My nose was cold, my hands were cold, and she didn't come with me. So I I'm, I'm just can't wait to jump in bed next to her. And, and I f kept thinking, God's going to fix my car. God's going to fix my car. And, and it didn't. So we drove over yesterday, and it's time for God speaking to me to fix my car. <laughs> and, and, and the point of that is sometimes God does miracles, but sometimes he wants to use us as answers to his prayer. And sometimes we're to take responsibility in those things. Uh, we've had a we've had an amazing year. It's it's been so much fun. They were asking us at, at dinner last night to to share some of the things that have happened uh, around the world this year. I have to say one of my favorite things that that happened came because something didn't work out. We actually had planned a trip to go to Burma, and we we had to postpone it. But I got a call out of the blue. Uh, this, this fella and I had become Facebook friends. And you, as you know, Facebook friends aren't real friends. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know that or not. <laughs> but um, there's, you know, Mr. Zuckerberg, the, the owner of Facebook, only lets you have 5,000 friends. And um, most of my... 5,000 friends I don't know. I, I might know a couple hundred of them, and I'm only close to a, a few, but this, this person, I never had heard his name before. 
But apparently, uh, years ago, back in 1990, he had heard me speak at a conference. And he's a pastor now. And as he was introducing me the other day, he said that he was going on and on, all these nice things. Uh, you know, he'd heard me speak in this conference, and God had used that. He said, but do you know why I'm in the ministry today? It's because of Keith. And before you think I'm, I'm really talking about myself, uh, it really has nothing to do with my message, um, any gifting upon my life. He said, because... Keith stood up there at this big conference with all these important missionaries and preachers, and he wore blue jeans, and he didn't tuck in his shirt, and I figured if God could use him, God could use me, because I could preach circles around him. <laughs> so he contacted me, and, and so I go to Fairbanks, Alaska. I've never been to Alaska. It's, um, I asked, I said, I know it's one of the states, but does it count as going to an another country almost took 19 hours to get back and uh, while I was there we walked to the town called North Pole Alaska and it's it's a real place it's not the North Pole of the world it's North Pole Alaska it doesn't have that many people live there their number one industry is we have a U.S. Air Force base just outside of there but their next industry is whenever you were a little boy or a little girl and you wrote a letter to Santa Claus at the North Pole, it was sent to North Pole, Alaska. And it doesn't matter if it's somebody from the United States mailing a letter to Santa at the North Pole, wherever it is in the world, all the letters go there. And the town has so embraced their identity. There's Alaska. Uh, highway 2. The town has so embraced their identity as North Pole. There's a Santa's workshop, and there is a Santa Claus there. He's the official Santa Claus. And, and so the whole town, he's actually ho-ho-hoing there. Uh, every time he would laugh, he would ho-ho-ho. The first person I put the cross together out in the, in the snow, and uh, we were walking back up to Fairbanks. The first person I spoke with uh, was Santa Claus. I, I know he knows all things, but I think somebody told him that I was there. So he, he left children waiting. They were waiting in line to sit on his knee and tell him what they wanted for Christmas. And Santa Claus came out, and he said, you and I have something in common. He said, uh, we both bring good news and joy and hope to our world. And he said, and you and I have something else in common. We love Jesus. So Santa loves Jesus. <laughs> I thought that is so great. Just so you'll know. So all, all of you who are, you know, thinking, well, you know, Santa, man, that's of the devil. No, Santa loves Jesus, <laughs> and it's the official Santa at North Pole, and, uh, and, and the beautiful thing is, is Santa shared some of his, his story, and this man who is the official Santa at North Pole, Alaska, fell in my arms weeping because this last year, his son 
committed suicide. And I thought, how amazing that God has given him the strength to continue on reaching out to children and people. And by the way, I, I happened to watch Santa take a number of children by the hand because children tell him everything. And he prayed for them right there in North Pole, Alaska. But he fell in my arms just crying because of the hurt. He didn't really have somebody he could go to. And um, I'm going to give you a secret. You, you can't put this part on the internet, please. As I, as I left, I, I, he said, will you pray for me? I said, absolutely. But do I pray for Santa? Do I just say, God bless Santa? He said, no, pray for David. Santa's name is David. <laughs> you can't tell anybody. <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> so just... You know what? It's it's been a, a glorious year. We we began the year in carrying the cross in Africa and Ghana, and and I'm so at home. Any place I am in Africa, it just feels like like home. And then we went to Dominica. It's not Dominican Republic, Dominica. It's an island in the Caribbean, but it's so remote, it's hard to get to. Um, you can either go by boat or lots of airplane rides. And, and we made it. We didn't know where we're going to sleep. And uh, I, I remember the, f the first night we're walking with the cross. And we were supposed to only be a couple miles away from this place. This guy said, oh, it's, it's just a little ways. And we were going to stay at his place. The roads are, are one and a half lanes. And then there's no shoulder. It's just a drop off on both sides. And it's jungle canopy and it's raining. And can you believe it? My princess is walking right by my side. She's right there in the jungle, and, and it, the rain is coming down, and she's got her iPhone holding up a light. So, <laughs> so either they can see us or we can see them, and, and just over and over again how we saw God take care of us and God touch people's hearts and being able to pray with people. We spent the summer in Europe. We were gone 45 days, and uh, we went to the more out-of-the-way places. We flew into Italy. And from there, we began on the, the Adriatic Sea in the oldest city in all of Italy. Walked up through a, a little country called San Marino. Most people never heard of it. It's, it's all surrounded by Italy. It was established uh, years ago by Christians fleeing persecution by the Emperor Diocletian. On into Trieste, into Slovenia. Then we crossed Austria, Germany. And uh, then we went up into the Netherlands, carried the cross out of the Netherlands into um, Belgium, and then on down into Luxembourg. And then we drove across France and went into Liechtenstein. So, uh, and, and went actually into Switzerland, walked out of Switzerland across Liechtenstein. Liechtenstein's not real big. It only took a day to walk across Liechtenstein. But then we walked up into the mountains, and, and it's just beautiful, and then out into Austria. Uh, we came home for a few days, and we went to Guatemala, and we were there, and it was one of my favorite cities in all the world. I haven't been there since 1987, and a group had us come in, and I thought I would be in Guatemala City, but it was in this little town called Antigua, 
and surrounded by volcanoes, cobblestone streets, and people with pure, open hearts. And, uh, and, and, and this is just a, a little commentary, but uh, I think when you get older, you can say stuff. So maybe I'm just blurting, or, uh, but hopefully you hear this and, and take it to heart. Each day in, in Antigua, it's a tourist capital. I've never, I don't, I don't think, I know that together we have never seen a place where we saw more missionaries. Every day, no lie, how many do you think we would see? Groups or at least six or seven different groups each day. Praise God, people are going. They're all going there. At the same time, we didn't see anybody, not one of those groups, granted it's their day off, but sharing Jesus. And, and sometimes it's possible for us to go on mission trips and not tell people about Jesus. We build churches, we dig wells, we rescue people caught in the trafficking. But God's called us to be people of good news. And so it was beautiful and it was awesome and it was encouraging to see this, that there were so many missionaries going out. And that's wonderful. But at the same time, may we never, as we go out, forget what God has called us to do. So, because there's people. There's people all around us. Uh, as, as I left, or as I was in, in Alaska, I wasn't carrying the cross this particular night. I'd been to speak at a church. As I came out of the church, uh, we went down to uh, Circle K or Quick Trip or uh, Get and Go or 7-Eleven or whatever flavor you go to, come and go. Theirs is called Sourdoughs. It's Alaska. So it's called Sourdoughs. And we went into Sourdoughs. It was late at night. And I began talking to this young lady who was Native American and I began telling her something. I think she made a flippant comment about me, and I, I directed it to my princess. And I talked about how wonderful of a princess that I have. I'm married to her, and such a gift. And Anyway, I just began gushing about this incredible woman that I'm married to, who wasn't with me, by the way. And she just starts crying. And I tell her how she's a gift to me. And, and then I began telling her how Jesus is a gift to all of us. And this girl starts crying. The two other guys working with her, they come over, and they're joining in tears. Before we left, we would prayed with five people. I, I don't know the hearts of any of them. One didn't seem as sincere. But since that time, this, this young lady has sent me, I, I read to them, uh, the, the letter last night that she wrote me the very next day. I didn't tell her this, but the next that night she went and poured out all of her alcohol down the toilet. She called, she has three children by three different parents, but the son's dad, she called him, told him that she's getting right with God, how he needs to get right with God. And I think sometimes in life we miss people and so we think that we've got to be doing this thing called missions or evangelism when ministry is simply the overflow 
of a life lived in love with Jesus. And as I was thinking about and praying about this morning, that's really along the lines. There, there was a song that was ringing in, in my, my head. I had to look up the lyrics, but it's, it's a Christmas song. Uh, I came down to two possible messages. The, the first message that I'm not going to share, Emmanuel, God is with us. Are we with him? You're not going to hear that message today. But the other one was, do you hear what I hear? Remember that song? Uh, do you see what I see? And, and that is, do we see as we go through life? Especially at this time of year. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but things start to speed up. Even getting a parking space at Walmart, things get sped up. There are lines every place. Life is, is much, much busier. So do we see. Is, this is a time of the year, and it should be always, do we see. Do we see others? But more importantly, do you see Jesus? I want to give you a test this morning. It, won't, it, it will not determine your entrance into the kingdom of heaven. But please, 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 you'll understand why later. Do not answer any of these questions out loud. Just mentally, just in your head, give me the answer. All right? There's only a few of these questions, so it, it's not that difficult. It's not that painful. Um, most of these are multiple choice, so that will even make it easier for you. So are you ready? All right. Number one, Christmas test. How did Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem? How did Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem? They both rode camels. They both rode donkeys. They both walked. Now, by the way, I haven't walked from Nazareth to Bethlehem, but I've walked from Bethlehem to Nazareth. And it took me about three and a half days. So it's a long way. I took the, the longer way. I did not pass through Samaria. But um, I walked down through Jericho and then up. So camels, donkeys, walking. They rode in a Prius. Uh, it's not that. Joseph walked and Mary rode a donkey. Nobody knows. So camels, donkeys, walking, Prius, Joseph walking, and Mary rode a donkey, and nobody knows. Number two, what did the innkeeper tell Mary and Joseph? No room in the inn. I have a stable you can use. Come back after the Christmas rush. I should have some vacancies. The first two combined, no room in the inn, and I have a stable you can use, or none of the above. No room in the inn. I have a stable you can use. Come back after Christmas rush. Should have some vacancies. The first two together. No room in the inn. I have a stable you can use. Or none of the above. Number three. What animals does the Bible say were present at Jesus' birth? Cows. This is a tough one. You have to listen really close. Cows, sheep, and goats. Cows, donkeys, and sheep. Sheep and goats only, 
miscellaneous barnyard animals. Lions, tigers, and bears, or none of the above. I'll say those again. Cows, sheep, and goats. Cows, donkeys, and sheep. Sheep and goats only. Miscellaneous barnyard animals. Lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. Or none of the above. This one is a fill in the blank. I won't give you any answers. How many kings came to see Jesus? Now, I'm going to give you the answer to that one. I'll give the answers later. The answer to that one is zero. No kings came to see Jesus. Wise men. And the actual word is magi. It's the only Farsi word in the whole Bible. So we know more or less where that region is. It was Persia. So they traveled all the way from Persia, which today is Iran, which means they would have had to cross Iraq. Then they would have had to cross perhaps Syria and Jordan and then get, that's a long journey. And it could be as far away as Afghanistan on the other side. So that's the only areas that they speak that, that language or did. So magi, and that word actually doesn't mean wise men. Literally, it meant not astronomers, but astrologers. You know, the thing that you're not supposed to do? The people who were consulting the stars to find out about their life. But isn't it funny that the people whose focus was that who didn't have the book were able to find Jesus because their hearts were hungry, and the people who had the book were only nine miles away. Jerusalem is only nine miles up the road from Bethlehem. They couldn't find Jesus. So knowing all that information... How many wise men, magi, came to see Jesus? Fill in the blank. And finally, the wise men, the magi, found Jesus in a manger, a stable, a house, the Hampton Inn, or a good mood. A manger, a stable, a house, the Hampton Inn, or a good mood. Here's the answers. Number one, how did Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem? The answer is, nobody knows. What did the innkeeper tell Mary and Joseph? None of the above. The Bible doesn't tell us. Which animals does the Bible say were present at Jesus' birth? None of the above. The Bible doesn't tell us. How many wise men came to see Jesus? Nobody knows. There were three gifts but we don't know how many wise men. And where did the wise men find Jesus? The Bible says he was laying in a house. And it was nearly two years later when the wise men found Jesus. Not the night of his birth. So what does all this tell us? <laughs> what it tells me the first time I took the test was I said, crikey. Do I even know Jesus? What does the Bible tell me about Jesus? And it really challenged me to see, to see Jesus in the Bible. What this test tells me, that the Jesus that I served for so many years was the Jesus of culture, 
the Jesus of entertainment. It was the Jesus of tradition, but not necessarily the Jesus of the Bible. Do you see what I see? Because we become what we behold. Not far from here, and in the Ozark Hills, where I grew up, there's a beautiful statue. It's 90 feet tall. It's called the Christ of the Ozarks. Some of you have been over there to see the Passion Play. It's the only regular, daily occurring Passion Play, at least in the summertime, in the world. The only other one is in Germany, in a place called Oberammergau. And it's a, a huge production as well. But this, this statue is, is awesome and is gorgeous. And that's the kind of Jesus I had for so many years. I would tell everybody about this awesome and amazing and incredible Jesus that I knew. Here's the problem. We become what we see, what we focus on. We become what our vision is. That Jesus is awesome, incredible, and majestic, and wow. But the problem is, he's got arms that are stretched out, but they never touch anybody. He's got feet that are shod, but those feet never go anyplace. He's got eyes that are looking out over the Ozark Hills, but his eyes never see anyone. Ears that never hear, a mouth that never speaks. And worst of all, there's a heart, but it's a heart of stone. And it never, ever, ever breaks. What do you see? What are you expecting to, to see as, as we, we do this journey called following Jesus? I had a group of young people years ago, and uh, uh, I would ask a lot of questions. One of, one of the questions to get conversation started, I said, what does it mean to be a Christian? What do you have to do? What's the first thing you have to do to be a Christian? And they all said, well, you have to believe. And I said, well, that's, that's awesome, but does that mean the devil is a Christian? Because the Bible says the devils believe and they tremble. Yeah, but you've got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. I said, well, does that mean the devils are Christians? Because... Who were the very first ones to recognize the deity of Jesus? We know who you are. That's my best scary demon voice. <laughs> You're the son of the most high. And Jesus said, be quiet. My time isn't yet. They weren't saved and, and, and they're not going to be saved because the Bible says one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father of those on the earth, beneath the earth, and above the earth. Even the demons will one day confess, but they won't be saved. They said, well, I said, okay, what about faith? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Is faith the same as belief? Or, or trust, because the Baptist hymn says you have to trust and obey. There's no better way to be happy in Jesus. Is trust the same as faith? Is it the same as belief? And, and so I, I ask this other question. Commitment. What does 
And I don't know why I ask it this way, but what does commitment look like? And that for a while they gave me definitions of commitment. And finally one young man says, wait, commitment looks like the object it's committed to. If you think about that, someone who's committed to business looks like busyness. This past summer, we saw a great example of the Olympics. Those are committed athletes. I, I think there's probably all of us are, are athletes in one form or fashion here, but we don't look like those guys because they're committed. I used to train. I, was, I trained for the Olympics. I was a pole vaulter. I would train up to 14 hours a day. And I could lift up my shirt, and you could have said, wow, he's an athlete. Today, I could lift up my her- shirt, and you could say, maybe he likes donuts. Or he likes the couch. Have you ever seen it with somebody with their dog? I don't know if the dog looks like them or the, they look like the dog. Commitment looks like the object it's committed to. So someone committed to Christianity, what do they look like? And the answer is not Jesus. Because it looks like the object it's committed to. And if you're committed to Christianity, you're going to look like Christian. And your answer to all these questions is going to be the traditional answer that we give. Mary rode on a donkey and Joseph walked. And they got to the town and the innkeeper said, there's no room in the inn, but I have a stable out back you can use. And that night, the shepherds came and and there were miscellaneous barnyard animals all around and then the wise men three kings came because we three kings of orient are and they laid down their gifts but do you see what i see if we're if we're looking at christianity we will become a good christian but my friends there's a world out there in the midst of the busyness of this season that we're getting ready to go into, it's easy to get so fast that we miss Jesus. And we start looking for other things. I was carrying my cross in Mongolia one time, walking across the Gobi Desert. And uh, this, this, the Gobi Desert is, is not like the Sahara Desert. It's, it's kind of chalky, and, and it's almost like limestone, little things broken up. So a lot of dinosaur bones out there, so you have expeditions, uh, either people adventuring or looking for dinosaur bones, or there's nomads that are traveling across there. And we were on our way to a town called Dolanzagad, and we didn't have a map because there's no roads, there's just a kind of a little trail. They said, if you see mountains on the right, you've, you've gone too far to the right, you need to go a little further left. If you hear a river on the left, you've gone too far that way. Wild camels are out there. But one day we heard, a, a, and we would see some of these caravans coming across, and we'd witness to them. And one day we heard a motorbike. And remember, this is Mongolia. This is the land of Genghis Khan. And this guy has a big bushy beard, and he got really happy when he saw us. He spoke English. He said, last night I had a dream. And someone was carrying one of these. And you have to understand, he had never, ever, ever seen a cross. He had never, ever, ever, ever heard the name of Jesus. My friends, I mean, there's all kinds of people all around the world. 
I'll come back to Mongolia. I was in Cambodia one time. And in Cambodia, out in remote area, hundreds of people gathered around. What are you doing? And I said, what do you think that I'm doing? And forgive me if you speak Khmer. I, I don't. But this is how it sounds to me. They, they all, and they're talking among themselves. And then they said, we know you are a famous sportsman. You are a great athlete, and you are doing an athletic event. You are like LeBron James. You all, all laughed harder when I said LeBron James. <laughs> Because we all know that I'm not like LeBron James. No, no, I'm not like LeBron James. I said, have you ever heard of someone by the name of Jesus? Mean woman, mean woman. This time they run to little huts and houses and, and, and stores, and they come running back out of breath. <sighs> no, sir, nobody by that name has ever visited here. Never, ever, ever, ever heard the name of Jesus. Do we see? Here's this man. And he said, I had a dream in, in the Gobi Desert. I had a dream last night. Someone was carrying one of these. And he had a beard. And he was shining. It was like light was coming from his inside out. And he was wearing this white robe. And he said, tomorrow I'm going to meet somebody wearing blue jeans in the desert carrying one of these. And he will explain what this is and who I am. So I began to share with him who Jesus is, why he came, and what he did. And one of the most pure, beautiful scenes I've ever seen in my life. Remember the land of Genghis Khan. This man grabs me by the shoulder, big bushy beard. And then he starts crying. He's, he's trembling. He's just got a death grip on my arms and shoulders. And he starts to cry. Now, when I cry, it comes down by my nose. I've seen other people cry, and it comes down on the outside. I've seen others, and it just comes all the way down. The floodgates just open. This man, I've never seen anybody before or since cry like this. It was like my windshield wiper fluid. It was squirting me. Ooh, like a cobra. And, uh, and he goes, this is, this is. And, and then he just picks me off the ground and hugs me. And he, this big bushy beard. And let me just say, in the desert, beards collect things. Sometimes they collect things anyway. Just, I mean, there's yesterday's food, and, you know, if you're hungry, it's just, but it, his beard, it just, it was full of stuff. And, and he just, and he kisses me right on the mouth. This is happy news. And I thought, God have mercy on me. Because, the message that God loved you so much that he came to this earth, that he died a horrible death on the cross. He became sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. 
and that we could know him because he rose again and he's alive and he's praying for us. But we've heard that story so often that we don't see it anymore. If we're not careful in our relationships, no longer do we see our spouses. No longer do we see our children. They're just noise. If we're not careful sometimes, and I've, I've been in these places where there's a, a beautiful waterfall or you, you're next to this incredible beach with this amazing sunset every night. Do you ever get bored of, of seeing that? What? That sunset. That sunrise. Oh, yeah, yeah, we just, you know, that's... We get bored. And somehow, it takes someone in a Gobi Desert to help me see. Somehow it takes a, a little test for, for me to, to be able to see. And sometimes it's that way with, with people. And, and sometimes we can look at, at people as trash, as things you, you throw away. I, I brought trash this morning, and, and it really does have, have trash. Um, Make sure I don't spill that one. Uh, somebody went to McDonald's. Uh, somebody had some jerky. Uh, somebody liked sweet and low in the bottom of their, their drink. Uh, somebody liked a magazine. Uh, back together. Uh, somebody had some corn nuts. Somebody else had something that was wet. Uh, well, I don't know what that one is. Uh, somebody liked muscle milk. And uh, a bar, and there's more. Somebody wasted some water. But sometimes, if you look hard enough, and what everybody else thought was trash, you can find a treasure. What do you see? When, when you drive down the road, and somebody's holding a sign on the street corner. A bum? Or, or do you see somebody who went to fight for our country and believed in the ideals of this nation. Somehow he got over there and something bad happened to them. And they couldn't cope with what they saw happen. They came back and they started drinking. What, what do you see? And now, because of the horrible things they saw and experienced and heard, now they just can't cope. Is that some bum? Or is that somebody's son or somebody's grandpa? What do you see? That, that lady that's on the corner, she's provocatively dressed. Do you see a woman of the night? Or do you see somebody, and I'm not justifying this, Nobody's ever told her she's their princess. She was hurt when she was a little girl. 
now she's got children and the only way she can provide for her family is the way that people have taken advantage of her all her life. What do you see? Do you see what I see? I went to a wedding a few years ago in Little Rock, Arkansas. And typically, I was late. It was my best friend's son was getting married. It was on 10-10-10, October 10th, 2010. And it's a little bit of a drive from Tulsa over there, and I, th I thought I had it just figured out just fine. And uh, wore my blue jeans until the last second, went into a hotel, changed real quick. The problem was everybody wanted to get married at 10, 10, on 10 10 10 in these venues on this big street in, in Little Rock, Arkansas. So I went to four or five wrong weddings before I finally found the right wedding. If they all wouldn't have had them on the same day, I, I might have been on time. But I was, I was about 10 minutes late. And where this wedding was, it was outside at this big mansion that had these beautiful gardens. And I didn't feel good about going in about the point I was because they, they were walking that way, this way. So all the crowd was on that side. So I would have had to walk past where the ceremony was. So I just decided I would sit across the street. And there were seven ladies in the government housing project that I was sitting in, sitting next to. They all had their bottles and their cans and they were... They were just drinking. And I asked them, are there weddings here very often? And they said, yeah, there's, at this time of year, there's a wedding every day. I said, do you all ever go in? Oh, no. They, they, nobody, look at us. Who would ever want us to come to one of those weddings? Do you all ever dream that that's your wedding? tears just start running down their eyes absolutely would you all like to get in and their eyes like can you do something about it I said well I, I'm just a friend of somebody who's kind of involved and I didn't want to break up the wedding but the party afterwards they had all kinds of goodies so I got my new friends into the wedding and, and that night as, as I left late I stayed to help everybody clean up and I had to drive down to Hot Springs a little bit later. Stopped right there on the corner. And it was the busy corner. Everybody was selling drugs and selling themselves and selling all kinds of stuff. I was asked by three different people if I would give them some money for something else. And I said, well, I, how about I'll go buy what you want and I'll just give you that item, not give you the money. And this girl came up and she said, as I started to leave, I'd like to have a Dr. Pepper. Could you get me a Dr. Pepper? Or could you give me the money for a Dr. Pepper? I said, I'll go get you a Dr. Pepper. I gave it to her. You could see in her eyes, that really wasn't what I wanted. I said, that really wasn't what you wanted, was it? She goes, no. We began to talk. And before long, as I'm sharing with her about Jesus, tears start running down her face. And she says, through her tears, thank you for seeing me. She goes, every man looks at me, but nobody sees me. She began to share her heart and 
the things that have gone on in her life. It's a horrible story. Do you see? Do you see? And when we see, things start happening in our heart. I'm going to um, just close by reading a, a poem I, I wrote along the way a few years ago. And uh, I'm not a poet, so please forgive me for, for reading it like this. But I want to give you kind of an example. And I won't use this. I'll just talk loud. I hear the cry of desperation from those bound to drugs. It beats, and I hear the cry of agony from those tortured for their faith. It beats, and I hear the cry of hopelessness as a mother tries to feed her only child but has no food and no money. I hear the cry of futility as millions seek to know God but don't know the way. It beats and I hear the cry of confusion as millions worship gods they can never ever know. It beats and I hear the cry of fear as a mother offers her only child to appease the spirits of her tribal gods. Someone come tell me. It beats, and I hear the cry of Jesus. Won't someone pray? Won't someone go? It beats. It beats. 
friends, when we see Jesus for who he really is. Not an idea, not just a story, not culture, not tradition, not entertainment. When we begin to find him in the least of the least, and we remember it's happy news. It's not just the good news. He's happy news because we've been forgiven for all this. And we don't have to carry this all around. Our lives are changed. I don't know what you see on this. I've shared this with a lot of people before. And I've heard people say, I see three dots. I see an upside down triangle. I've heard people say that um, it's a polar bear in a snowstorm. I've heard some people say, oh, I see Jesus on the cross, his hands and his feet. Do you know what I see? A piece of paper. And my friends, I don't know if it's about your life or your problems or your situation, but so often... We, we look at the problems. We look at the, the individual situations and we miss the grace and the goodness and the bigness and the love and the beauty and the glory of God. God is wanting to reach out to you and he's wanting to reach out to me. And he's wanting to fill our hearts with his love so that it overflows and that it just bursts and the world is blessed as an overflow and it's not that we go on missions. And it's not even when we're on our mission trip that we're doing what we're supposed to do. And then when we're done, we're done. There's no vacation because people's souls and destinies aren't on vacation. And he cares about them and he's concerned about them. It's about preferring others. It's about smiling. It's about waving. It's about being kind. It's letting others go first. It's about holding doors. It's about saying please. It's about saying thank you. It's about saying, God bless you. May we never get so focused on this thing called Christianity that we, we look like good Christians because we're committed to Christianity. But may we be committed to Jesus because commitment looks like what the object of its commitment is. We become what we behold. Do you see what I see? Let's all stand. Once again, we want to say thank you. Thanks for the privilege of being here. Thanks for the way that you pray for us. Thanks for the way that you, you stand with us, you go with us. Thanks for welcoming us into your family. And I pray that when I share a message, that there's not any condemnation. But you know what? There's a fine line between conviction and condemnation. With condemnation, there's no hope. It's simply focused on the dots. And when the Holy Spirit convicts us, He points out the dots. 
And then he points to the grace and the goodness and the bitterness and the beauty and the glory of God. And this morning in this place, you might say, I haven't seen, but I want to see. In Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 46, Jesus comes into Jericho. And there's a man on the roadside begging. His name is Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus. And at first, the disciples don't have time, even though the man is crying out. They say, be quiet. And he cries out all the more. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. But because the disciples didn't see, they didn't really see Jesus for who he was, and they didn't see that man for who he was. They just kept saying, be quiet. And Jesus stops because our cries for mercy always cause him to stop. And they bring the blind man to him. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And here's a man who's never seen a rose. He's never seen a rainbow. He's never seen a sunrise or a sunset. He does know his wife's face, but he's never seen it. He knows every line. He knows her fragrance. He knows his children, but he's never seen them. He says, I want to see. I want to see. And I believe that that's the cry of some of us. Our culture, the world of tradition that we've lived in, the pains that we've seen around us has prevented us from seeing Jesus and has prevented us from seeing others. But the first thing that Bartimaeus saw was the face of Jesus. Across this place today, You'd say, I, I need to see Jesus in a fresh way. I want to see. I want my eyes to be opened up. Could you just lift up both your hands high? You know, that's kind of what I would expect in, a, in an awesome place like this. Could everybody put your hands down? Let's, because you guys, just it's an awesome place. I gave this invitation, not quite this same way, but... I was in Sudan. We're being bombed every, you know, 30 minutes by the Janjaweed. And we're having a pastor's conference. There's no buildings. We're out under a baobab tree. And I figured that other people joined us with pastors. And I gave an invitation to say yes to Jesus, to be saved. Because I figured maybe they don't know. They need to know. You want to give your life to Jesus? About 70% of the hands went up. I said, wait, 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 wait. You don't understand. Go back. I had to ask them to come forward and go back. So this time I gave a Jesus invitation. I said, okay, I want every eye open, every head up, everybody looking around. If you say yes to Jesus, if you, and I'm saying it in this way to you, if, if you see him like he is, and you choose to follow him with everything. We don't know what's going to happen next. And I told them, if you have jobs, you might lose your job. You might lose your friends. You might lose your family. 
you might lose your life. Now, and I asked them to come forward. And this time, 90% of everybody came forward. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, go back. And, and this, this one old Dinka man, he reached out and he grabbed me by the arm. He said, no, sir, son, you don't understand. We do understand. And that's why we're here. So this morning, that's really what happens is when we see him, we don't know what happens. We don't know where he will lead us. But we do know that he'll be with us. And you want to see him like you've never seen before. And know the consequences. These are Jesus' words. Brother will betray brother. He said, they'll, they'll imprison you. They'll even deliver you to death. But if it's that face that you want to see, that face that's so beautiful, that face that shines, you say, that's me. Across this place, you lift up your hands, both hands. Lord Jesus, you see your children. And you said that blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness sake. They will be filled. And I pray that you would fill your children. This hunger and this thirst. But you would fill them more than just putting a little bit. They would overflow with your life, with your love, with your nature, with your character. That as they see you, as they behold you, as they look on your face, that they would be transformed into the same image from glory to glory. You said that we become what we behold, that one day we shall see you and we shall be like you. Stephen's face shined, Moses' face shined. Jesus, you shined as you looked at your father because you saw, you saw your father like we can't see him. You said, if anyone has seen me, he's seen the father. But we want to be like the disciples, Peter and John, untrained and uneducated, but people said they've been with you. We want to shine because we've seen you. We don't want to just have the essence, the smell of Christianity. We want to be saturated with your presence because we want to see you. But we don't want to stop there. We want to see you in the least of these. We want to stop for the people around us. We want to prefer others. We want to serve others. We need your grace. I pray right now for my brothers and my sisters that there would be the grace that you'd open their eyes like Bartimaeus so they could see you. And you'd open up their hearts to receive you. And you'd open up their eyes to see others. And you give them the grace to not just behold a statue. But their eyes would see, their ears would hear, their hands would touch, their feet would go. Their mouth would speak and their heart would break. In the name of Jesus, we love you. We love you, Lord. 